Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Life Podcast. I am, oh my goodness, a new host, Ian Harditz. First day on the job. Great day to be great, everyone. You'll learn a lot more about me here on this podcast. But just let me say, incredibly excited to be joining this team. I've worked with many of these absolute ballers. You guys are used to listening to plenty of times before, but now got me here full time. So get used to it. And now it is my privilege, my pleasure to once again, welcome back one of my best friends in life and my favorite person to work with on this planet, probably the universal simulation, whatever. Dwayne, The Rock, McFarlane, we back, baby. We're back, man. Like I, I'm, I can't believe this day's here. I'm excited, man. I'm so excited. You know, you know, everything's mutual. You're my favorite guy to work with. Uh, you know, we just have a good time together, man. We, we have a good flow. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Just pump, man. We got newsletter. We got a podcast. We got free articles. It's free, you know? Clean. It's a great day. <laughs> F-R-E-E, Ian. <laughs> F-R-E-E. All right, everyone. Free agency is in the air. We have been absolutely grinding over at Fantasy Life. You can check out our tracker, which I have personally been absolutely going nuts on over these last three days. Plenty of goodness from Mr. McFarlane, Kendall, Chris, the whole crew as well. So make sure you check that out on FantasyLife.com. And as always, subscribe to our newsletter because why not? As Dwayne said, it is F-R-E-E free as well. So enough of that shenanigans. Let's talk some fantasy football with the quarterback position. Dwayne, it was really freaking annoying man like not just because aaron Rodgers took his time like i get that he had to learn under Favre. he did this stuff last year and all that but for the dude to come out in december and say he wants to be a quick process and then put us through all of these hoops very annoying in my humble opinion but that said went on the pat mcafee show and finally expressed that he will be joining the new york jets the trade is not official my god please be official i'm gonna be so pissed if this speculation has to go any longer but for right now Dwayne, we're moving forward under the idea that Aaron Rodgers is a member of the New York Jets overall thoughts for a guy who let's face it isn't exactly spring chicken he will be 40 in December didn't have his best season last year but Garrett Wilson in New York we got Alan Lazard going maybe rumors about Randall Cobb and OBJ overall thoughts on Rodgers to the Jets yeah I think number one is you can feel great about drafting Garrett Wilson now at his ADP I mean he's the wide receiver 10 and if you guys had looked at the splits last year with Zach Wilson that made you a little bit uneasy because if there was a chance that Zach Wilson was going to be under center, that was not potentially going to be good for Garrett Wilson. So I think now knowing that Rogers is going to be there, I don't think Wilson's going to move up anymore, Ian, because at wide receiver 10, like the next guy he's bumping into, you're looking at Amon Ross St. Brown, and then you're getting to some of the who's who. He's at nine. Receiver. He's already jumped the sun. Oh, he's already Dwayne. bumped. He's already bumped. Well, I, my guess is that's where he'll settle in. I don't see him, you know, moving a lot more than that, but I think you can be comfortable with it. You know, um, looking at what Wilson did, you know, I've talked about him a ton. I know you've talked about him a ton as Ohio State guy, so I won't spend a ton of time on that. But looking at Rodgers, I think the big question, and you you and I were, you know, messaging about it earlier, you know, but is this really overall an upgrade for Rodgers, you know, as far as his weapons, especially when he wants to bring, like, all the weapons with him? Like, we're, we're trying to get Mercedes Lewis and Randall Cobb. It isn't enough to just sign Alan Lazard. Um, I'm not even going to go into an Alan Lazard rant on the first show, Ian. We'll save that for another time. Um, but here's what I'll just say real quick on Rodgers. Like, he can still make all the throws. Like, watching him, you know, he doesn't have a deadbeat arm. Um, I do this is think... Not, this is not, you know, 2014, 2015 yeah. Peyton. This is not 2020 Breeze, yeah. Yeah, he can still make it all. In fact, like, one of the things I went and looked at was just looking at the scramble at the scramble drill throws, right? And so the best quarterbacks in the league are doing this. So they create out, off script, and they're making these big plays downfield. If you look at over the last few years, Mahomes, 18 touchdowns. Josh Allen, 18 touchdowns. 
Third in that category is none other than Aaron Rodgers with 14. And if you watched him last year with Christian Watson, you saw plenty of those. You know, so he, a lot of people, whenever I threw that stat out originally, they're like, yeah, well, tell us last year. And I did. And they're like, oh, no, just kidding. Yeah, he was good at it last year, too, folks. He just didn't have a lot of weapons. But I, I think that's the major challenge. Beyond Garrett Wilson, you know, what do we have? You know, Alan Lazard, eh. Elijah Moore, we can hope like he could get better. Like, I, I think there's more potential here than there was with Green Bay, but I kind of agree with you. I don't think it's a huge step up in his, in his supporting cat, cast. I think and is like the nicest thing you've ever said about Alan Lazard, Dwayne, but that's what it comes down to. Like Lazard's back. Randall Cobb might be there. I mean, we have CJ Uzoma, Tyler Conklin. They're fine. Are they necessarily that much better than Robert Tunyon? I don't know. Brees Hall, hopefully he returns at full strength. Michael Carter, they're okay, but I mean, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon and that offensive line weren't the problems last year. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm Garrett Wilson. You know, can't rank him high enough. Okay, maybe you can. But, you know, top 10 wide receiver, I am on board with that. It comes down to what do we make of Rodgers' fantasy value himself? Because last year, man, was not good. He averaged fewer fantasy points per game than freaking Carson Wentz, for crying out loud. And, again, I'm just not totally convinced that the overall situation, fantasy-wise, is better. Do you have any data, Dwayne, you know, going back to Nathaniel Hackett and, you know, uh, and just this system? Are we going to see just enough volume for Rodgers to get back to being the fancy guy that he was in 2020 and 2021, because I agree with you, the physical tools are still there. Right now, over at Underdog Fantasy, he's the QB 16 and ADP alongside guys like Jared Goff, Russell Wilson, Geno Smith. We have this big tier of, you know, pocket-type passers after the more obvious dual-threat guys, and it basically comes down to who we're going to prioritize out of that group. Yeah, I think with Rodgers, though, there is upside. Like, I, I think he could... I look at him really as a low-end QB1 now. Like, you can still draft him you know, in that high-end QB2 range, just because we've seen the upside really recently. Like, he has QB3 and QB6 finishes in two of the last three seasons. Yes, last year was really bad, but we had another example like this. 2019, he was terrible. Um, you know, everybody was out on Aaron Rodgers, including me. I was out on Aaron Rodgers after 2019. Then in 2020, he comes out and he throws a touchdown on 9.1% of his, you know, uh, dropbacks, uh, 0.69 fantasy points per dropback. If any of you pay attention to that kind of stat, that's just nuts insane so to make it easy 21 fantasy points per game uh, and then 2021 24.5 fantasy points per game so that's still really recently and when i look at the arm talent look at the way he plays seeing that it hasn't really changed i have you know there's some optimism here i think that there's definitely upside for rogers to finish more in the middle of the qb1 tier um, and i i think you you could make a case for taking him over someone like dak prescott all right we're bringing the bit back Dwayne. for those that haven't heard one time I tried to ask Dwayne a yes or no question. I said, no, gun to your head. No, that was pretty dark. You know, we're not trying to get into those streets. <laughs> so our alternative is a Girl Scout or a pack of Girl Scouts. Maybe they have a different word for pack. I don't know. A crew of Girl Scouts walks up to your door and then politely asks you a question. And maybe they do or do not also have guns. Anyway, Dwayne, Aaron Rodgers or Tua Tagovailoa? Uh, I'm going to go Tua. I think Tua I'm going to go Tua. Hair. Aaron Rodgers or Dak Prescott? I'm going to go Rodgers. That's the I'm one talking pure upside. If, you, if we're just talking like they're median, it, great. Like you go ahead, put Dak ahead. But I think the, the ceiling case for Rogers is better. The thing with Dak, and I don't, I don't, I'm not going on a huge Dak Prescott rant, but the one thing we talked about, it's, I, this was what surprised me before, because I had Dak well ahead of 
Rogers even thinking this is a possibility, but you know, you have put me on the scent, Dwayne. And you know, we're almost like still chasing that egregiously high, you know, pass play rate that Dak was having in 2020 and then the early parts of 2021. But this team under Kellen Moore was already so run heavy. McCarthy only wants to do more of that. The things they've done in the defense, I do think Rogers deserves to be in that low end QB1 conversation, even ahead of someone like Dak. Okay. Jordan Love now, the starting QB for the Green Bay Packers. And while I've been twiddling my freaking fingers over here for months waiting to get on a podcast with you again, Dwayne, the one thing that I was trying to do was, you know, take good landscape ideas of just the fancy positions and what we've learned over the years. And recently, in the last three, four years, we've done an incredible job as an industry of identifying the upper half of the QB1 scheme. QBs one through six, very accurate in terms of the preseason ADP and then where they actually finish. The big mistake has been QB 7 through 12. That's been way more volatile. We're regularly seeing, you know, late round guys bump their way up into the low end QB 1 range. So I guess my question, Dwayne, is guys like Rodgers, guys like Goff, do you think at a point, and we'll see where all these ADPs level out, it's freaking March for crying out loud. What do you think of the idea where, okay, if you can get a Josh Allen, you get, you know, your Jalen Hurts early on, you're obviously set. But if you don't, what about fading this middle class of QBs for guys like Jordan Love at the end who, no, we don't feel as good about, but we can take multiple shots on them when we're only taking our first quarterback in round 16 or later? Yeah, I think there's a lot of different strategies that we'll probably get deeper into as we go that are kind of, you know, just looking at the way drafts are playing out right now. But to your point, I think, yeah, if you don't get one of the top ones, and now I said, once you get past the dual threats, right? The dual threats, like we're going to have to keep them in mind, you know, and they need to all be off the board. But once you get past those, um, then yeah, I think it's fair game just to wait. And that's kind of where I was at, like looking at Dak, you know, versus Rogers. And especially if I can get Rogers, you know, three, four rounds later than Dak, um, obviously best ball can change things because of how many you have to take. But yeah, I like that idea because the other thing you can do is you could take a, a stab at a Trey Lance, right? You could take a stab at an Anthony Richardson, a young dual threat quarterback and pair them with a guy like Rogers, right? Pair them with a guy like Kirk Cousins. And we've talked about this kind of strategy in the past. And if you did it last year with Kirk Cousins, you had some good weeks. Um, so I, I like that idea. And I think Rogers definitely fits there. Um, but the cool thing with him is he has also demonstrated ceiling, which is really nice. Uh, moving right along, we had Jimmy Garoppolo sign with the Raiders, reuniting with former OC Josh McDaniels. Three years, $67.5 million with $34 million guaranteed. So this kind of plays right into it, Dwayne, because right next to Jordan Love, current QB 26 over underdog, is Jimmy G at QB 27. So we've seen Jimmy put up pretty freaking efficient numbers. In fact, he, believe it or not, all-time leader in yards per attempt. Now, this is a good example for why we don't solely judge quarterbacks on their yards per attempt average, but at its root, you're trying to you know gain as many yards as you can per attempt and credit to jimmy g for doing that well yes incredible yak players with the 49ers we all love kyle shanahan but you know at least a little bit of that effort has you know the efficiency should be given praise to jimmy g qb27 Dwayne, talk about how you think jimmy g specifically fits into the fantasy landscape because you know he's going right now pick 181 are we positive that drafting russell wilson you know What's that? 65 spots ahead of Jimmy G is worth it. Yeah. Um, well, again, Russ kind of is a guy that you're hoping he can get back to his demonstrated ceiling, which he has shown us multiple times in his career. But what I will say with a guy like Jimmy G is, you know, he could make his way into the Derek Carr, um, Kirk Cousins. He's on know, the Cousins spectrum. He's on yeah. the spectrum. Like if you look at Jimmy G's fantasy points per dropback, and that's not the best stat for everything because touchdowns do weigh heavily. But it's on par with Kirk Cousins. It's better than Derek Carr. Now, 
the reason that Jimmy G hasn't matched those guys, specifically hasn't matched Kirk Cousins in points per game, is because he's not really been on an offense that throws all the time, right? So Kirk Cousins has had the benefit of playing on offenses that want to throw the ball a lot. Jimmy G hasn't. So I think the challenge there, though, is I think that Josh McDaniel is going to want to, he's going to want to have a balanced offense, you know, again. And so I don't, I think Jimmy G is going to be in a similar situation to what he was with the 49ers. The weapons won't be quite as good. And the other part is he's got to stay healthy. He's only had one healthy season in like the last five. So we just need to see him stay on the field. But I think the best part about it is he can keep Devontae Adams going. He can keep that afloat. Jacoby Myers, we'll talk about him later. You know, he can keep those two going. We'll talk about Darren Waller later as well, leaving. Um, but like if there's two weapons you're trying to keep going, because like, they like to use a lot of the the two tight ends. They like to use the fullback, all that kind of stuff, heavy personnel. I think Jimmy G can support two okay fantasy weapons. If you ask him to support three, I think you're starting to stretch it. So if there were three guys fighting for pieces of the pie, like one of them's going to be left out every week. But I think the best thing is just really for Devontae Adams, I think we can feel okay. We'll talk more about Jacoby Myers here when we get to wide receivers. But one important thing he said there is, yeah, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Guess what? Rushing quarterbacks, the studies from doctors that I've tried to look up, there's nothing out there that says that rushing and dual threat quarterbacks are innately more injury prone than these pocket passers. And to me, that makes sense. You have a stationary quarterback where, yes, they should be getting the ball out of their hands quickly, but not everyone's Tom Brady with that. Then you're a sitting duck for these big badass edge defenders that are going to go and freaking wreck his world. So again, Dr. Evan Porras, I'm going to mention his name a lot. I used him and Dr. Jeff Mueller's information a ton in my uh, injury article that you can find at fantasylife.com. Looking at all of the different injuries that happened in 2022 and what they could mean in the 2023. And again, you know, as much as we want to just look at Lamar Jackson and say, oh, he hasn't finished, you know, two straight seasons it's because he runs around all the time. Once you actually zoom out and take the bigger sample, not much out there support the idea that dual threat quarterbacks are any more injury prone than the pocket passers. Okay, Dwayne, again, we're recording this on March 15th, an absolutely lovely Wednesday. So we're not getting into quite every single transaction. You guys can check out Dwayne and Marcus G's podcast from earlier this week for some more info. But I do want to run through some other quick signings here at quarterback. They have Jacoby Brissett signed with the Washington Commanders. One-year, $10 million deal with $8 million guaranteed. And we also have Baker Mayfield, the Buccaneers, also on a one-year, $8.5 million deal. Sure seems like, Dwayne, both these guys, I would give both Brissett and Baker, you know, most likely the favorite to start in week one, not expecting the longest leash, albeit we'll see if Sam Howell and Kyle Trask even have what it takes to, you know, get out there and maybe take a start or two. Yeah. And I think the next guy you have on the show sheet list, Taylor Heineke, like put him in that this too. Group. Yeah. Yeah. Brissett, Baker and Heineke, probably, you know, two out of the three of them, I, my guess would be, will be the starters on their team come week one. So now, we'll, gross. We'll, this is so gross. This is the McLovin and Muhammad thing. Why is it between Taylor Heineke and Desmond Ritter? Why? I know. Marcus and I talked about it uh, in the podcast earlier this week. It's like just we had so we had such high hopes, you know, for Atlanta. You know, instead they go add another tight end and they add a journeyman quarterback. <laughs> this is so Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith is just going to uh, play with our. He's just going to live, you know, rent free in our head for the next three years, I guess. But. Looking at these guys, you know, here I have to give Jacoby Prasad at least some credit. Like what he was doing, Amari was on pace for a career year before Jacoby left, and it was turned over to Deshaun Watson. So I, you know, I can't just totally dismiss Jacoby Brissett. I have not been nice enough to him probably in his career. I think at one time I called him uh, Jacoby Chopped Brisket, some stupid things like that that a dad would say because I am a dad. I'm allowed to say dumb things like that. I laughed. I laughed. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get a good laugh out of it, but. At least they have somebody there. The big concern, man, I have you is Baker. Baker has just torpedoed everyone. You know, I mean, 
look what happened with DJ Moore last year, you know, with Baker. Um, look at what happened with Odell Beckham Jr., you know, with Baker. It's just, I don't know, man. Like, I, I worry now. Mike Evans, we already saw him kind of starting to tell off. You got Chris Godwin there. Like, those are some really good fantasy assets that I would rather have a better quarterback under center. But I agree. Like, if I had to pick right now, my guess would it will be Baker in week one. I mean, the Kyle Trask, the one kind of news item we've got over the last like two years that he's a slow learner, not ideal to hear that, uh, you know, said about your quarterback from a member of the coaching staff. But the one thing with Baker, yes, he's been a bad quarterback for the majority of his career and definitely over the last two. But lest we forget, Twain did set the NFL record for passing touchdowns as a rookie before Justin Herbert broke it. And he did lead the Browns to their first playoff win yeah. since 1994. He's had two Six to eight game stretches where he was a really good quarterback. Will that be brought out in Tampa Bay or not? Again, I would guess most likely no, but you could imagine. Last point on Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, dude, that was the best football he's ever played in his career last year. So I don't think you're necessarily too off calling him, you know, a smoke brisket or whatever that joke was. But the thing with Jacoby is even last year, like that was Jacoby absolute best case version we've ever seen of him. I do not think he has another level. He was third in the NFL and completion percentage over expected and 11th in EPA per drop back. All that to be the QB 18 in fantasy land before Deshaun Watson took back over. So unfortunately, Jacoby, and as we're going to see with a lot of these guys, when you don't run, man, it's just like a, it's like a running back. that doesn't catch passes. You're just such behind the eight ball um, in fantasy football when we're trying to get those multiple means of production. Also, we have Jameis re-signing with the Saints to be a backup. I hate it. Free Jameis. Mike White is the new backup in Miami. Jared Stidham, the Broncos. Sam Darnold to the 49ers. And Case Keenum to the Texans. Dwayne, speak now about any of these or forever hold your peace. Uh, the big one for me just is Mike White. Just knowing that we have a quarterback that we saw come in and support Garrett Wilson if something happens with Tua. Because Tua's health thing is really shaky. You know, we're all hoping the best thing for Tua. That he doesn't have any more concussions, but... Let's be honest, he's had them. So if something happens to him, we saw last year, that was a problem for the Dolphins. So Mike White can at least help stabilize your value for Tyreek Hill, stabilize the value for Jalen Waddle. So I think that that is an important signing for the Dolphins from a fantasy perspective. Not necessarily because you're going to draft Mike White, but it's just a good thing for those receivers. And I wouldn't come to this company if I knew you were going to sit here and slander Skylar Thompson, Dwayne. What the, what are we doing <laughs> hey, here? I know, I know. Matt Waldman favorite, Skylar Thompson. <laughs> we're, we're, we, we'll give him another year. We'll give him another year. All right, guys, before we get to running back, just a reminder, sign up for our very free newsletter over at FantasyLife.com. You can read thoughts from Dwayne, myself, and Peter Overset, in addition to our entirely awesome Fantasy Life team. Again, very much free. Go sign up for that newsletter over at FantasyLife.com. I will personally be writing two of them per week until our lovely, you know, commander in chief just all around baller jordan you know tells me i'm good enough to go back down to one so we will see what happens but the important thing is to go get that newsletter great day to be great all right running back david montgomery has signed with the detroit lions three years 18 million with 11 million guaranteed and look here's the thing i have an article on fantasylife.com talking about high price free agents generally teams aren't, are not going to let good players hit the open market. If we're seeing a trade, that's different. Or if we're seeing a team, you know, re-sign their player. Okay, now on their second contract, you got that continuity. That's different. But when we're talking about a team, a player leaving their team in free agency and then getting a big money deal from somewhere else, it's been horrendous, guys. Here are the largest running back contracts switching from one team to another in free agency since 2016. 
Le'Veon Bell, four years, 52 million. Chris Ivory, that's a name, five years, 32 million. Jarek McKinnon got 30 over four in San Fran, unfortunately got hurt. Lamar Miller, 26 million over four years. That's honestly the best success story here. Deion Lewis randomly got 20 million over four years and helped keep Derrick Henry on the bench for a little bit. David Montgomery coming in with 18 million. Melvin Gordon with the Broncos and Carlos Hyde with the Browns right behind him. Not great, Dwayne. Do you think Montgomery can be the exception to the rule that we don't want to mess with second contract running backs switching to new teams? I don't think so. Um, and I think we've just seen it from, from Montgomery. Like, he's a good running back as far as avoiding tackles. Like, he can force a lot of missed tackles, but he's not really explosive. Um, he's okay in the passing game. Like, here's the good thing about him. If something happens with Swift, we've seen David Montgomery play in every down roll in his career. So we've seen coaching staffs trust him in the passing game. They've trust him down inside the five yard line. So if the right circumstances, you know, happen to show up and it could just be the coaching staff being out on Deandre Swift, there could be some good things for David Montgomery, but like from a talent profile perspective, he's really kind of NFL average, right? He's, he's really replacement level. When you look at Swift, it's the opposite. Like all the data, like as fantasy people and, you know, people that love numbers, like you look at Deandre Swift and you're like, how's he not on the field more? Um, so I look, I think we're at the point now with DeAndre Swift, we just have to say like the coaching staff, clearly there's something going on. I was hoping maybe would do Staley gone. And if they were going to move on from Jamal Williams, that finally it would be a chance for DeAndre Swift, who's been just nuts. Like as far as his explosive rush rate, all those things, all well above the NFL average, his ability to demand targets out of the backfield way above. We're talking like guy, like almost Alvin Kamara level, like this guy could be really good, but we've seen now multiple times that they're not going to trust him. They're not going to trust him to be out there. So the big thing for me here, Ian, was just the wake-up call on DeAndre Swift. Now, that won't mean that Swift won't have value, right, in fantasy drafts, because now let's see where he falls to. If his ADP falls around 8, 9, 10, and you're going 0 RB, something like that, Swift, if for some reason something happens to Montgomery and he gets the role, or Montgomery's just not good, and Swift does finally get you know that role, you're getting him for much cheaper. Right. But we keep the days of trying to draft him, you know, in the top four rounds, like those are gone after the signing of, of David Montgomery. And he's been he's really been going in round five lately over on underdog. So um, I was in on that, you know, but now with the David Montgomery signing, that's going to be expensive. And we'll see where his ADP ends up. As I'll say roughly five million times on this podcast, don't hate the player, hate the ADP. We will see Will Swift where Swift ends up. But I'm not buying Dave Montgomery either. If it was just Montgomery and Swift, I could get behind that. That's fine. We can live with two running back committees in the year 2023. But that wasn't the Lions last year. It also had Craig Reynolds when he was healthy. And then he got hurt. And then Justin Jackson came in. Jamal Williams, similar to Dave Montgomery, not to the same extent. But like when Aaron Jones missed time in Green Bay, Jamal got full three down workloads and look fine enough doing it out there. He can do everything that you ask him to do. The Lions were not willing to do that. So I continue to think it's going to be an offense consisting of three running backs. This was a bottom five offense last year in terms of percentage of games that a lead running back got 20 plus touches. It's, it's a great scoring environment, Dwayne, but my goodness, Jamal Williams, 17 touchdowns last year. 10 of them came from the one yard line. All but three came from inside the five yard line, whatever touchdowns are touchdowns. We get six points, you know, no matter what over a thousand rushing yards, RB 18 and PPR points per game because he only had 16 targets. 
And, you know, if the over-under for targets for Montgomery is 20, that's not great. So I don't want to completely write him off. We saw someone like Josh Jacobs last year where I incorrectly thought it was going to be a committee. Guess what? It wasn't. Jacobs was good enough to have that three-down role. At least Montgomery has that theoretical three-down ability if enough things break his way, you know, like Ramondre freaking Stevenson did and make me look like an idiot. Let's just talk about all my freaking miscues from uh, last year. Yeah, well, you did hit on Jamal Williams. You said he was last year's James Conner. You pretty much hit that. I was just trying to set you up to remind everyone of that. So thank you for doing that. All right, let's talk some bears now with Montgomery out of the picture. Could it be Khalil Herbert RB one season last year? He averaged 1.44 rushing yards over expectation. Number one in the NFL. When we had Montgomery out for pretty much three games, he got hurt early in one and then missed the next two. I mean, Herbert was a, you know, lock him in RB one, basically like no doubt about it. Dwayne, how confident are you in the bears fully given the range over to Khalil Herbert to this point, they have only added track. Travis Homer to the backfield, who has some pass down ability, but I wouldn't consider like a super big threat by any stretch. Yeah. I mean, if he can make it through the draft, which is going to be really dangerous because it's a deep class. Um, I mean, you have to remember with Khalil Herbert, it's a round six pick. We've also got the coaching staff on record saying that they like certain aspects of his game, but really kind of hinting towards they, you know, he's a lot of work to do in the passing game, but that's okay. I mean, young players sometimes have to do that, but he's been in the league for two years now. So you would hope that he's kind of got that remedied that he could be out there on third downs, the two minute offense, that kind of stuff, because that's somewhere they haven't really trusted him. Um, but yeah, to your point, a very explosive player. Um, you know, he's a guy that can break the long run. He's a guy that can, you know, force missed tackles. He can get to the second level of the defense and not just have to run into the next guy. He can actually make like another guy miss and then beat an angle like so just watching Khalil Herbert is fun so I would love to see him get a chance I think it's going to be really challenging though for them to make it through the draft without the Bears like using a third or a fourth round pick on a running back and we'll have to see what that name is right that's going to be a big factor in what we think about Khalil Herbert but in an offense where you have where you've got to worry about Justin Fields if you're playing defense and all the things he can do we've seen what a guy like Lamar Jackson can do for the running back And that was a challenge for David Montgomery, more of an east-west guy. Khalil Herbert will really get north-south. Like, if he was able to be the starting running back with teams keying on Justin Fields, like, there could be some absolute huge plays here on a team that we know also wants to run the ball quite a bit. So I think there's a lot of things to like about Khalil Herbert. I do think they'll add someone in in the draft. So thinking about his ADP and where he goes, I think it's been fine. But I know after free agency, after avoiding the first kind of, uh, you know, obstacle, assuming, well, I say that really no running backs have signed yet. So they could still add a Miles Sanders or something. Um, But right now, like the news is positive. Right now, RB31 over at Underdog Fantasy. But the thing is, the wide receivers are being pu- pushed so far uh, up yeah. the board that he's going only, you know, pick 96. Like, Zay freaking Flowers, wide receiver 47, who at this point, I could tell you, you know, one or two things about at the absolute most. Uh, he's being drafted ahead of Herbert. Not saying that's wrong, but that's just kind of the state of running back in best ball land right now. All right, we do have Austin Eckler requesting permission to speak with other teams about a potential trade in the Chargers. Granted said permission. He is due six and a quarter million next year. The Bears honestly make a little bit of sense, Dwayne, like a team that has a rookie quarterback and they can afford to, you know, take a little bit of a luxury signing. But we don't want Eckler to leave. I don't think there's another team in the NFL that's going to throw him the ball this many times. Could that be a little bit out the window now that Kellen Moore is replacing Joe Lombardi? It's possible. But my goodness, 38 touchdowns over the last two years for Eckler. Next closest player is James Conner at 26. He turns 28 in May. Not ideal, but historically, we still do see plenty of high-end performing running backs at 28. It's 29, 30 in 
and beyond that things get tough. I know there's a little bit of survivorship bias there, but Eckler, at least for this year, I'm pretty confident in continuing to be an elite player. Any teams out there, Dwayne, that you see even being close to the Chargers? Like, this could be bad for a guy that is going to be a consensus, you know, top three running back again going into 2023 if he stays with the Chargers. Yeah, I don't want him to change teams. I think the teams you would have to go to would be the ones that we always kind of get excited about, but I don't know that they've got the capital to make a move, whether the, whether we're talking about salary cap or whether we're talking about the draft capital that the Chargers would want in return for Eckler. I have no clue what that's going to look like, but like, yeah, if he landed with the Bills, we say, okay, great, there's a chance. It's pass-heavy offense, and we've just been, been waiting for someone to be able to come in and take over you know, in every down roll there. I think the Chiefs, Will be another one where we could be like, okay, like we might get Brian Westbrook, kind of what we tried to do. Ooh. We tried to anoint, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, you know, as being Brian <laughs> Didn't Westbrook. Quite work. We we would probably actually get Brian Westbrook. Well, that like, wasn't us. That was Andy Reid, actually. So I'm not. Yeah, I'm not yeah. It was. It was Andy Reid. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, just kind of back to that whole oh, Andy Reid just breeds, you know, RB one. So I mean, I think there's a few things. There's a few teams that would be really interesting like that. But for the most part, like, yeah, I'm just like the Chargers are where I would want him to be. You know, one of those two teams I I could at least buy in a little bit. But even then, like, I would be hoping that his ceiling on that team would equal what we had with the Chargers. You know, kind of maybe the median projection that we think about with the Chargers. And Eckler's funny because, like, you would think he would be getting drafted higher in fantasy drafts. But, like, he's still he's getting picked where he was last year, seven, pick eight in the first round. Like, that's just where he goes. And I know some of that's to do with age injury concerns, all those sort of things. But uh, yeah, hopefully he stays with the Chargers. Dude enters the fantasy industry like on his own. Fantastic stuff over at Yahoo with uh, Liz Loza and then Matt Harmon this last year and proceeds to be like this last two years. I think we can say the best overall fantasy player from 2021 to 2022. Absolute king shit from Austin Eckler. Hope he gets paid because, you know, running backs just don't get paid and it pisses me off. But I'm not going to go on that rant, Dwayne. You already know how far (laughs) off schedule that could get us. Let's talk about a fun one here. Rashad Penny to the Philadelphia Eagles. One year, 1.3. Three five million dollar deal, only six hundred k guaranteed. So this is one of those where I saw all the tweets. You know, everyone's acting like, "Oh my gosh, look at Rashad Penny." We've all seen the advanced analytics. We all understand that Rashad Penny is an efficient running back. But Dwayne, the thing was like, "Oh, he's going to lead the league in rushing if he can stay healthy." Yeah, my aunt would be my uncle if she had a dick. You know, these are not the things that we can just rely on with Rashad Penny, unfortunately. So I get that the injury prone thing, and I've talked about this before. I generally don't believe it, but. Dude, I don't, I, think the, I don't even think the Eagles trust it. Again, 600K guaranteed. If He's coming off an injury, and we talked about this before the show. We're not expecting the injury to impact his availability in 2023, but man, Dwayne, if he doesn't come back at 100%, if he's just not vibing right in Philly, I mean, this is a contract where he could feasibly get cut before the season starts. I'm not saying that's likely. I do believe Rashad Penny is very good, and I don't think he's going to be banged up going into week one, but at a minimum, Dwayne, this contract, this tells me that the Eagles are not done adding to this position. Yeah, they're going to draft someone. Like, the Eagles are probably a lock to draft another running back right now. But I love this. I agree with you. I wish the contract was for more. Um, And it kind of tells you the state of the running back, you know, position right now that he didn't have another offer. But of all the guys that are available, I thought once we got past the top three that all got the tag with Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, I thought the player with the most raw remaining upside was Rashad Penny. Now, to your point, has not been healthy. You look at the last few years, he's played 12, 10, 3, 10, and 5 games. But he's been awesome when he's on the field. So so we know what it can look like. 
he's, he's going to be on a good offense. An offense is probably going to have to run more plays. They're losing like all their defense. Like, I mean, Philly has lost a ton of players on defense already in this offseason. So we could see a need to score more points. So I think there's the right combo, you know, of things. We've got an offense that we're going to like. We've got a player that's been really talented. And who knows? Maybe he only plays eight or nine games. But what if it's the last eight or nine games of the season? And he is, you know, the number one back on the Eagles. We'll have to see where ADP ends up. I was looking at some tweets yesterday. Our own Pete Overzet put out a tweet showing Rashad Penny going around eight, nine. That's about where he was last year was Seattle after they drafted Kenneth Walker. So I think that's probably okay, but that's probably where he should be going. You know, you know I don't know. I think it's okay for now, but there's a good chance like it's going to fall because they're going to draft a running back and then that's going to make people, you know, they're going to get people off of him a little bit. But because of your point, like he's been so good and all the advanced analytics, like yards after contact, explosive rush rate, all those things are actually really just insane with Rashad Penny. Um, you know, I'm I'm going to be in, but I just don't want the draft price. I don't want the ADP to get too high. Like I don't want to, I don't have to spend a fifth round pick on Rashad Penny. But if he stays in the range he's at now, and we'll see what they do. Also, it depends on, like, where do they draft this running back? If it's, like, a round four, round five, that's one thing. But, you know, obviously, you know, you want to add Bijan, and, and let's see what happens, Ian. <laughs> I think that's your your quote with every team, so I'm sure you would go with that for the Eagles, too. Um, but if they take a running back in the second round, that's going to really hurt Rashad Penny. Interesting note from Matthew Berry and his 23 things he learned from the combine piece that you can check out over at Roto World. Back to Roto World. I don't even have to, you know, say it like ironically anymore. Rotoworld.com. Shout out to some of the, you know, true kings and OGs of the industry. But yeah, one of the things was basically this idea. I don't, he didn't talk to Nick Sirianni, but it was like a source with the Eagles um, or something. Just awesome, you know, relaying by myself right now. But basically, long story short was that Sirianni, while he did use the three running back rotation with Sanders, Scott, and Gamewell over the last few seasons, at his core, he believes that if he had the workhorse capable running back, he would give him that available role. So I don't know if that's going to be Bijan or Penny or Kenneth Gamewell, but I am a little bit more confident in the Eagles giving out a more fantasy-friendly role to a more competent lead back because that's the problem when we have these rushing quarterbacks, and it's not rocket science, Dwayne. I think we all understand that, you know, the quarterbacks are going to run more around the goal line, and they're going to run more and scramble instead of checking the ball down. Not ideal for those quarterbacks. And accordingly, if you look at it, the Eagles last year, juggernaut offense, incredible. Seventh fewest expected PPR points per game by their backfield. If you look at the last three years, Philly, Buffalo, Seattle, and Baltimore have been the four teams that have had really good offenses, but just haven't been giving that great of fantasy-friendly opportunities to those backs. So that's all I want to be careful about. Round eight, round nine, okay. I don't want to pay a premium for a running back, just like we talked about with David Montgomery, who's not lucky to catch passes. All right, Broncos signed Bengals backup got a couple spot starts Samaj P Ryan to a two-year deal don't have to spend a ton of time on this Dwayne but it is interesting because the Broncos and you know some of the might run throughs at the end but if you look at it they've made some real big additions on the offensive line right tackle Mike McGlinchey 87 and a half million over five years and guard Ben Powers 52 million over four years sure sounds like Sean Payton came back to run the damn ball Javante Williams is coming back unfortunately from not just an ACL tear also an LCL and PCL tear I am terrified about Javante Williams coming back from this. This is the running back, not as much Brees Hall. Javante is the one that we need to be a lot more concerned about. Latavius Murray is still a free agent. And that same Matthew Berry column I mentioned, he said that the Broncos would have a lot of interest in Kareem Hunt. So for now, Dwayne, just what are your thoughts on this Broncos backfield and have you kind of adjusted your expectations for how much we're even expecting Russ to drop back to pass? Yeah, I, I think a lot of what you said just makes sense. Um, 
Sean Payton wants to have an efficient offense, right? Now, he's had some pass-heavy offenses back in the day with Drew Brees, but everything that I've read and heard from him, like, he wants this to be, you know, if again, we go back to Madden, and you want a pass-balanced, right, would be like the extreme on the pass end. But really more of a balanced offense, I think, is what he wants to do. He's going to want to run the ball. The thing for Pirine, um, you already mentioned Javante Williams and the injury, but Pirine has also kind of shown himself to be a receiving back. You know, he's really taken that role over in Cincinnati the last few years or the last two years with Joe Mixon. And we have seen Sean Payton just feed running backs in the passing game. And it doesn't just have to be an Alvin Kamara. Like we we've seen Pierre Thomas. We've seen all sorts of guys catch all these screen passes and things like that, you know, in a Saints offense. So that does make me like P. Ryan. I think he's gonna have some standalone value just from that alone. That if for some reason it takes longer than expected for Javonta Williams to get back, um, or for some reason he doesn't play for the year, there's going to be a lot of weeks where we're looking at Samaj P. Run and we're like, well, how how are we pay? How how are we going to put him this week? Right? I think immediately, you know, in the weeks where you don't have Javonta, he's going to be an RB two, right? But he could give you RB one value, especially if he's that involved in the passing game. He's not a special player. Like he's really kind of that, you know. And this nothing against he's in the NFL. Right. right. If you're in the NFL and you're a running back, you're a really good player. Compared to all of his peers, he's not really, he doesn't stand out in any special way, but he's a good all round back. And I think we've seen Sean Payton like that kind of archetype in the past. And so I think you're going to see him on the field. People forget all time single game rushing record in college football broke Melvin Gordon's, you know, one week old record after LT's like 20 year record went down. What a time to be alive. But yeah, three spot starts last year. Okay, again, Mixon got hurt early in one game. So P. Ryan took over 82 total yards, three touchdowns all through the air, 93 total yards and one score, and then actually went off for 155 total yards in that third game. So we have seen P. Ryan, when given the opportunity, do some good stuff with it. Miami Dolphins, they're bringing the whole band back, Dwayne. This was such a fun situation to look at literally a week ago because the only guy under contract was Salvin Ahmed, and he, he was a restricted free agent. Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, and even Miles Gaskin are all coming back to the Dolphins. So it's a weird situation last year because Chase Edmonds was supposed to be the guy, and we saw the, you know, the borderline erotic preseason usage, and it was a, you know, an explosive week pass. Week one, man. Up. Week one usage yeah. was great. Yeah preseason to week one and then all of a sudden Mostert just takes the job in week two Raheem Mostert starts getting going and we say okay fine missed on Edmonds let's go to Mostert they trade for Jeff Wilson they played one game before Mostert got put back on the injury report with a knee injury and in that game it was a 49% to 47% snap split but that was also Wilson's first game with the team so it would make sense if he was kind of being eased into it long way of saying Dwayne I have no freaking idea what they're going to do with this backfield right now because again for different sections of the year Edmonds, Wilson, Mostert, like we had, you know, your fantastic underlying utilization numbers all saying that we had good stuff going on in Miami. 11th ranked scoring offense. Like, yeah, we get it. Most of this, but most of the scorings can go through Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, but especially with Mike McDaniel's willingness to give his lead running back a solid 60, 70% of the snaps when he decides on the lead running back. It sounds like one of Wilson or Mostert could be an awfully, you know, a pretty nice late, later round gem at running back. Any level of confidence, though, on who it's going to be? No, I don't think we can predict it. I mean, if, if I, Girl Scout walking to the door, <laughs> you know, I would give it to Mostert just because I think he's got, you know, the speed. But there were definitely periods last year where they just leaned away from Mostert into Wilson, to your point. And like you said, with the utilization, every time, and you know, Jordan can attest to this, you know, sitting here producing for us, but every time we thought we had a trend, 
Oh my, it's going to be Mostert. Like that would be the week. It would be enough. Just kidding. Back to Jeff Wilson, you know, or one of them would get hurt. Right. And that would reopen the door um, for the other back. So I think the other possibility here is it's just really a hot hand kind of approach. But your point being that if you can get them late in drafts, you know, and you draft one of them and if you're in best ball, you don't have to worry about it. You know, if you're in season long, you know, and you're holding on to one of them, you know, when you have the chance, there's going to be a chance at some point to start probably both of them. And so I just can't tell you when it's going to be. Mostert will be 31 in April, but he's kind of got that like Cordero Patterson career usage in him. So he only has 532 career regular season touches, you know, spent most of his early career time on special teams, but man, he can fly owns the top two fastest runs with the ball in his hand since 2017 per next gen stats. All right. Just a couple small things. Actually, we can give this a minute at least pour one out. Cowboys have released Ezekiel Elliott, the six year, $90 million back is gone. And yes, free Tony Pollard, but put a little bit of respect on Zeke's name, guys. Look, I don't know about you, Dwayne, but when I retire, you know, at 80 years old, I'd appreciate it if people don't just immediately bring up what I accomplished, you know, from age 77 to 80. I'd like if we could look at the big picture a little bit more. And Zeke, at the end of the day, has more touchdowns and total yards than any player in Cowboy history, not named Emma Smith or Tony Dorsett. So, hey, we have not seen that early career Zeke who could, you know, break those long runs and freaking hurdle dudes every other day. You know, I know I'm a little bit biased as a, both a, you know, Cowboys fan that I try to keep quiet. And then also just an ignorant Ohio state fan. So I'm biased here, Dwayne, you're a little bit biased. I know you're a Cowboys fan too, but Ezekiel Elliott, like it's not his fault. The Cowboys paid him that much money. He had a fantastic career with the Cowboys. If we could just measure running backs by playing football and not freaking say every single time they get paid that it's egregious thoughts on Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, no, Zeke definitely had some really good years, you know, but here recently, like the explosiveness has been gone. The long runs have been gone and that happens. Look, it happens to a lot of running, but it happens to every running back. Eventually it's just a matter of when. So yes, early on in his career, to your point, looking at the whole body of work, I had fun watching Zeke, the hurdles, all those things were great. Um, but now it's Tony Pollard season. And so now it's just a matter of how, who's it's, I feel like it's like a, a game of which fantasy analyst is going to rank him the highest. Like, like somebody's going to have Tony Pollard number one overall before it's all said and done. But the Cowboys, just so you folks know, don't get too overly excited. They've been pretty connected to running back in the draft as well. This is a very deep draft class. So you're going to hear that a lot about a lot of teams. But just following a lot of the local beats from around here, um, there's a lot of them feeling like the Cowboys are going to take a running back in the first three rounds. And that won't necessarily be a bad thing for Pollard. Pollard's a fine. Pollard can still be an RB1, even if, you know, he's got company in the backfield, as long as they let him have the passing down work. For the love of God, please give him the passing down work and everything else can be fine. One note on Pollard. I Reports say he's going to be full strength for training camp. Just monitor it because he did go on. He did undergo this tightrope ankle surgery in late January and he's recovering from a fractured fibula. Had that uh, just bad injury during that 49ers game. But this tightrope procedure not perceived to be anything super long term. So just keep an eye on it. Again, any offseason surgery, I just want to keep an eye on it. Tentatively not expecting this to impact those 2023 availability, which is obviously good news. Other news at running back, Boston Scott is back with the Eagles, the giant slayer himself on a one-year, two-million deal. Mentioned before, Travis Homer to the Bears on a two-year, four-and-a-half million deal. It's enough money that I'm a little bit, you know, intrigued by it, but I do think it will mostly be a special team deal. Travion Williams is back with the Bengals. We all want Chris Evans to happen, but he needs to beat out freaking Travion Williams before anything goes too crazy. Amir Abdullah back with the Raiders. Remember back, you know, Dwayne, a freaking... 
Eight months ago, we thought he was going to be a thorn aside for Josh Jacobs. How quickly times change. Craig Reynolds back with the Lions. Matt Breida re-signed with the Giants. Low-key, solid potential handcuff that's not going to be nearly even close to the same tier as we see with other handcuffs. And Mike Boone, the Texans. Any thoughts there? No, not on any of these guys, but most of the backs haven't signed. We've still got, you know, Miles Sanders sitting out there, Devin Singletary, Alex, Alexander Madison, Deonta Foreman, like there's a Kareem Hunt. There, there are some interesting names. Damian Harris, you know, has had some really good yeah. seasons. So we'll see where some of these guys land potentially, you know, if they land in the right spot and, you know, they get, you know, on an offense that can score some points, things like that, you know, we'll get more excited about some of them. But most of the names on running back on the running back list that we care about just have not signed yet. I want to invite everyone to check out on fantasylife.com our NFL free agency tracker. Everything you need to know about every single signing. No, we are not writing freaking pages of information about every signing, but we are listing every signing with relevant contract information who they're on. And guess what? The fantasy relevant signings, we are writing paragraphs upon paragraphs because it's freaking free agency. This is our job. What else are we going to be doing? So at this point in time, you know, we got just right, look at the top of it right now. Information on Jacoby Brissett, his contract fantasy projection, and that is there for every single uh, player. So if you're looking for fantasy information, we got it. If you're just looking to see who signed where, we got it. Want trade details, contract details, good chance we have it. So again, check out that fantasy tracker over at fantasylife.com. I, Dwayne, Kendall, Chris, the whole gang, been pouring our blood, sweat, and tears into that all week long and will continue to do so through this lovely week one of free agency. On the wide receiver, Dwayne, Patriots sign Juju Smith-Schuster, three-year, $33 million with a $22.5 million guarantee. So last year, initial rankings. I changed it quickly. It was more of a joke, but I ranked Juju like wide receiver 60 or something uh, before, you know, I saw the ADP. I adjusted. It was just a fun little joke. But right now, Dwayne, I'm going to count to three, and I want both of us to say where we plan on ranking Juju in this spot, okay? Okay. One, two. Three, 41. 48. Oh, I'm higher on Juju now? Yeah. Explain yourself, Dwayne. Well, because he's not with the Chiefs. We're <laughs> talking about the Patriots. Um, and we got to see another year, right? With Juju last year, you and I talked about it a lot. Really, since his breakout season, it had been bad. It had been downhill. But we were like, okay, there's been a lot of injuries. Ben was, you know, kind of at the end of his rope. Like, there's a lot of things going on. So maybe, just may, maybe, he could recapture the magic. And if there was ever a year to bet on it, it would be the year he's with Patrick Mahomes on an offense where Tyreek Hill just left. But we were very strong on the fact that, you know, look, it doesn't look great. Like, his target earning profile is not great. His yards after the catch have gone down every year. So it could, it could be a total bust. And to me, that's really what ended up happening. You know, you were on an offense where you had MVS unable to do much. You got, you know, Justin Watson coming in and getting a lot of reps. Sky Moore wasn't able to get things going. Kadarius Toney just wasn't able to stay on the field. And still, Juju was not able to assert himself. Like, he had a little stretch in the middle of the year where it felt like maybe, just maybe, the vibes were going to get just right and Juju was going to lift off, but he didn't. You know, so, I mean, look, targets per route run, 18%. That's like a wide receiver four. That's just what it is, you know, historically since 2011. You know, his PFF receiving grade, 72.2, it was okay. It got better because he did get to play with Patrick Mahomes. Yards per route run, though, 1.77, that's not good when you play with Patrick Mahomes. Like, come on, like you can get to a two. So now you're going to go play with the Patriots, Mac Jones. Like, we just haven't seen that offense support very much. And I think, you know, at this point, Juju, 
he can beat zone coverages at times, but he can't he can't beat man. So if a team ever really just wants to take him away, they can. So I'm just not very excited about it. I do think right now you have to rank him as the top option, you know, on the Patriots, but I'm not there's no way in my mind that we should think this is one of those situations just because he's walking into an offense where there's really not many targets accounted for that we can really give him much more than what we've seen just because he hasn't shown to be able to really to demand that, to demand more looks. And so I think that's a problem for Juju. I think that's why I gave him a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt than you did because the Patriots are a top eight offense in terms of available targets and air yards at the moment. Uh, You can check out our good friend, real life and industry friend, John Daigle's air yard and vacated target tracker over at 444.com. But the one thing I will give Juju last year is, you know, he looked and he was hurt in 2021, but he looked so washed in 2021, man. Like uh, I used to play Zelda Ocar- Ocarina, Ocar- however the hell you say that word. Used to play that, you know, N64 game all the time. And there's you had to put these like super heavy boots on to go underwater. And like, that's what Juju looked like running routes in the year 2021. He had some of his burst back last year. I mean, seventh in yards after the catch per reception. And I kind of figured that was more of an aspect of just the Chiefs offense than anything. But no, six in yards after the catch over expectation per next-gen stats. Pull up the film and yeah, had that sick touchdown against the Bills where he's breaking a few tackles uncovered against the 49ers, but then makes a couple guys miss in the open field. I do think that Juju, who is still, I think he's 25, 26 right now, maybe has another wide receiver three-year in him, but to your point, definitely not going out of him. He'll be 27 this year. Okay, a little bit older. I'm just trying to lie now, I guess. All right, no, Jets. No, no, that's good. I think, <laughs> I think you just named his upside case. Like, hey, I, I do think, like, and that's what I put him in. Like, look, low-end wide receiver four, but if you want to, like, look for what his upside case is, probably wide receiver three. Handshake, emo- handshake emoji. We are good. All right, yeah, yeah. Here, here's your moment, Dwayne. Jets sign wide receiver Alan Lazard, four-year, $44 million deal, $22 million guaranteed. I mentioned before about, you know, some of those free agent running back contracts that didn't exactly work out, and lo and behold, it's been that case all around, especially tight ends and the wide receivers aren't much better. The biggest contract over these past, you know, seven off seasons in terms of, again, a player changing teams in free agency happened last year. Christian Kirk, $84 million, and we saw Christian Kirk last year have a very good year. Beyond that, though, the Giants gave Kenny Galladay 72 million. He turned into a mannequin. Sammy Watkins got 48 million from the Chiefs. Pierre Garcon got 47.5 million from the Niners. The Rams gave Allen Robinson 45 million. And the Raiders gave Tyrell Williams. Remember that freaking dude? 44 million a couple years ago. And then we now have Alan Lazard. So I'm a bit more confident in your answer this time, Dwayne. Do you think Alan Lazard will buck the trend and be more than what he was last year, which was the wide receiver 35 and PPR points per game? No. I don't no. think so. I mean, he's going to have to deal with Garrett Wilson. But look, Alan Lazard did set career highs last year in route participation, targets per route run, uh, PFF receiving grade. You know, look, there are things he does well. Like, you want to watch guys catch the back shoulder fade, especially from Aaron Rodgers? Like, Alan Lazard can do that. He can be a weapon down inside the five-yard line. You know, he got hurt last year, um, and his path to really succeeding was going to be touchdowns. And early in the season, it looked like he might get there. So, I mean, I'm not saying that he can, he's just useless, but like, you know, whenever I really tiered all of these players and folk, and you can find it you know, over, over on fantasylife.com, like best free agent wide receivers, best free agent running backs. I did an article on each position a few weeks ago, and I have him in tier four, borderline wide receiver three. He and Juju, the guy we just talked about, are really there together. They're not high end target earners, but. Like, they can come through, and they can give you some wide receiver three performances. It's just hard to get excited about the ceiling for these two players. 
I think both guys help those offenses, but again, this is a fantasy yeah. football podcast, and we're trying to, again, focus on those counting numbers. Lazard might be the best blocking receiver in the league. Remember that freaking took out three dudes on that long run against the Dolphins? I think Aaron Jones <laughs> yeah. or someone had, like, again, great real-life player, at least Lazard, you know. I'm not going to go too overboard on Juju here, but in terms of fantasy, yes, not expecting them to be in our top 36 here by the time rankings really get settled in. We do have the Saints Who was he tracking down Sorry. after the game that time? Was it Sauce? Uh... What, no, that was, a, that was a different like game. A, okay. He might have. Sauce was talking no, no. all that ish. Yeah. Anyway, I on. can't remember. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Saints no, I, yeah, that was Lazard that came by and knocked it off. Oh, you're right. And now they're nice. Wow. I yeah. think Lazard might have already responded to something on like Twitter because they responded. Yeah, he probably did. What a time to be alive. All right. Saints, third time's a charm here. Resigned Michael Thomas, one year, $10 million deal with a max of $15 million, basically to prove that you can stay healthy sort of deal here, which was a surprise. I mean, just based on kind of the murmurs I'd heard, uh, Nick Underhill, in my opinion, the best Saints beat writer out there. It just seemed like if they weren't going to restructure this, that Thomas was going to get his contract voided and become a free agent. Last year, we only saw him for three games. He did post PPR, wide receiver eight, wide receiver 18, and then wide receiver 47, but he got hurt. Performances scored on AJ Terrell and you know, the slant boy originator, Carlton Davis in those games. So he looked fine, Dwayne, but man, getting up there in age. And since just over the past decade, only 14 instances of a wide receiver at 30 plus years of age, putting up top 12 PPR production. So, hey, he doesn't, you know, if he's wide receiver 15 with a wide receiver 50 ADP, that's obviously a win anyway. So that said, I'm pretty sure we've already seen the best years of Michael Thomas's career. We have Chris Olave in a far more crowded offense than what Thomas was used to when freaking old man, with all due respect, he was an old man at that point. Ted Ginn Jr. was like the number two on those Drew Brees Saints teams. And Lord knows old man Drew Brees wasn't, you know, getting the ball out as far as he needed to at that point. Thoughts on Michael Thomas, because he does strike me at a minimum, Dwayne, someone that's going to be, you know, ADP, wide receiver 40s, wide receiver 50s. But when week one comes around, if Michael Thomas is healthy, he's going to be in that wide receiver three conversation in a hurry. Yeah, for sure. I think he's a boom bust wide receiver three kind of profile. And it's due to injury. Um, but when we saw him play last year, he was fine to your point. Now, I mean, targets per route run 21%, not great. Um, but receiving grade PFF receiving grade 77.4 was nice yards per route run. Okay. 1.64, but 17 fantasy points per game. They were really looking for him down in the end zone. And so he could continue to have that kind of role. Um, I still like him over guys like Alan Lazard, some of the other names that we gave, just because, again, like if he did happen to stay healthy, there's a chance he catches 10 touchdowns. You know, we've seen his ceiling before. I agree with you. Like the best days of Michael Thomas are very likely. And those were very good days, by the way. So like that's a real that's a high bar to live up to. Probably not going to see him there again. But he and Olave can be very complimentary in the way they play football. Um, You know, a lot I. I was totally surprised that Michael Thomas was brought back. Like if there was somebody I just really thought was gone from a team after the way they restructured his contract in January and put like this basically huge poison pill sitting here in the middle of March and looking at the cap situation that we had, you know, with the, with the saints, I just thought there was no way Michael Thomas was back. They were just basically setting it up for him to be gone. Um, but here he is. He's here. So I do think he has that wide receiver three in him. He could have wide receiver two upside. We have seen wide receivers at the age of 30. You know, I know that's not all the time, but we've seen some good ones, you know, do 1, some 1. So, 1.4 per year. I mean, that's not nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and you're going to have, you're going to have several that are, it's going to happen several times this year. I mean, we've yeah. got a lot of guys on this. You got DeAndre Hopkins, you've got Keenan Allen, you've got Cooper Michael Cole. Thomas. Yeah. We've got a lot of guys right there, you know, in that 30, 31 age group. So, I'm with you. 
I'm just I'm skeptical at this point, you know, with all the injuries, but it wouldn't surprise me like if he all of a sudden had a had a night. And look, when the NFL season starts, what do we say? There's chaos. Like everything, just everything you thought you knew is gone. He has been a top performer in the past, so there's always a chance he has a big year. But I think that Chris Olave is the clear number one on this team at this point. I mean, having the rookie year he did, but I think Thomas can be a nice number two and could be a wide receiver three in fantasy. You recently had a, a YouTube video go up over at the Fantasy Life page, which I cannot recommend subscribing to enough people. We are pumping out original content over there, both in terms of shorts and just, you know, like eight to 10 minute videos in addition to everything we do on the podcast. So if you like what you're hearing now, audio, you know, first of all, hey, what's up? Thanks for listening. But then, yeah, go to the YouTube page in your spare time if you don't mind. But Dwayne, you talked about Chris Alave and all his great underlying numbers, the yards per route run, fifth most yards per route run since 2014, I believe, and the wide receivers that are in front of them let me see it was obj jefferson chase can't remember the fourth but guess what he was really freaking good too and then chris alave so how does michael thomas come back change your thoughts on alave if at all um you know i think a little bit a little bit but still where you're getting alave on adp he's fine and there's such injury risk with thomas like you don't want to overthink it too much but you know we saw michael thomas be good enough last year that you know he can set a little bit of a barrier, right, to what we may see with Alave, but I don't, I don't think it's going to be huge. So I still feel fine with Alave in that wide receiver 13, 14 range, even up to like, I think you can still make an argument for him, like up to wide receiver 10, just looking at his rookie data. Um, and there's a really good chance he just takes another step forward next year, and Michael Thomas could still be on the downswing. So I'm not going to overthink it, but obviously I don't want to just completely dismiss Michael Thomas. Last big wide receiver signing we want to talk about is the Raiders taking on Jacoby Myers, as we said before, pretty much an identical contract to what Juju Smith-Schuster got in New England. Why did they even feel the need to do that, Dwayne? I am not sure, but I'm also, you know, a freaking fantasy football analyst, not Bill Belichick, so maybe I should just sit that round out. Anyway, I jokingly tweeted, after Jacoby got signed, I ho-go for 71 catches, 824 yards, and three touchdowns yearly, and that's okay, because that's kind of what Jacoby's been during his career. Ironically enough, Mike Clay comes out with his actual projections that he does and he's a great follow go check out mike you guys all love mike his projection which was you know actually based on not just pulling it out of his ass 81 catches 887 yards and three touchdowns so tickled me that that was uh, close enough but hey man we're talking about a player that we know can demand targets at a high level and you know we wouldn't be surprised if he catches 70 80 balls especially now with darren waller out of the picture so talk about jacoby myers and what you're expecting in las vegas Dwayne. because again one of those signings where it happened and we didn't love it but you take waller out of that intermediate area of the field all of a sudden we're getting a little bit more excited about jacoby in vegas yeah, I mean, Myers from, you know, just an underlying talent profile data perspective, like has wide receiver two worthy marks, like targets per route run, PFF receiving grade, yards per route run. Like we're all wide receiver two worthy if you look back over history, but he finished as a wide receiver three. And so a quarterback, an offense, those things can impact your fantasy points, obviously, even though you may have really strong underlying, uh, you know, a talent profile. So with Waller being gone, maybe there's a chance like he could live up to that wide receiver too. But still, with Devontae Adams, man, like talk about a target hog. That's a target hog, you know? So I just don't see a path without Adams getting hurt for Jacoby Myers having the kind of ceiling that we're looking for when we're drafting fantasy players. Um, you also still have Hunter Renfro, run the, Hunter Renfro on the team. Waller leaving, yes, does vacate some of those targets in the middle of the field where Jacoby Myers works so well. You know, he's really that intermediate kind of guy. He's around a 10 
average depth of target, 10 yards average depth of target pretty much every season. So they they operate a lot in the same area. And Hunter Renfro is more underneath that. But still, Myers is used to getting to work from the slot a lot. So if they're going to use Hunter Renfro in the slot, that means Myers is going to have to play outside more. So I think there's still enough questions that at best, I'm calling him a wide receiver three. And again, there's just not a lot of upside to get excited about. I will say this surprised me. I mean, last year, I know we were hopeful that Hunter Renfro was going to have that Edelman role where he stays on the field out wide and then also goes into the slot. Didn't end up happening because Mac Hollins, 57 catches, 690 yards and four touchdowns. He did play the full 17 games, but, and, you know, he, he was regularly, you know, every week I do my shoes report, which will be on fantasylife.com this year. I just look at the guys that had the largest difference in their receiving yards and their actual air yards. And I think in Holland's case, you know, a lot of those were prayer yards, uh, you know, variety going on there. But again, the fact that we have a wide receiver dropping off those numbers that we definitely think is worse than Jacoby Myers, you know, Wide receiver, three-ish range finish. Yeah, but I don't think he's going to get to the top 24 upside, to your point. Just some other quick signings here to go through. Giants re-signed Sterling Shepard to a one-year, $1.2 million deal. God, injury gods out there, if you can hear me right now. Just give Shep, you know, a good bill of health coming back from an ACL injury just one season after having an Achilles issue. Uh, I'm sure we've already talked plenty on this podcast about the Bears trade for DJ Moore, but that was pretty cool. Texans signed Robert Woods to a two-year, $15 million deal with $10 million guaranteed. Ashton Doolin is back with the Colts. Deontay Hardy went to the Bills two years, $9.5 million with $4.75 million guaranteed. Let's talk about this one just real quick, Dwayne, because Hardy um, joked about this before. In 2021, it was Hardy, and then last year it was Rashid uh, Shaheen. And this actually concerns me because they were playing, you know, pretty much the same role in the Saints offense. But any fancy, you know, content creators out there, anyone that just enjoys looking at these type of NFL statistics, if you do your studies with, you know, 25 or 50 targets and you look at who the most efficient receivers are, you were seeing Deontay Hardy, formerly Deontay Harris in 2021, and Rashid Shaheen last year. Now, both those guys, I've watched their targets, watched their plays. Like, I don't think they were fluky. We weren't seeing Hardy, you know, just get one busted coverage after another. That, like, 70-yard touchdown he had against the Cowboys a couple years ago was freaking ridiculous what he can do in the open field. And $9.5 million from the Bills, you know, that's 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 significant. So, thoughts on Hardy to the Bills, Dwayne, because Lord knows we've been trying to find another wide receiver here to complement what, obviously, Stephon Diggs is continuing to do as a straight-up baller. Yeah, and everybody's excited about Rashid Shahid, Ian. Ah, uh, but yeah, Deontay it. Hardy. No, it's okay. Deontay <laughs> Hardy, um, you know, Deontay, uh, a.k.a. Deontay Harris. You know, there's a lot going on with these names. Um, and they're both from the same team and both have all the metrics you're talking about popping, you know, if you're looking at this kind of stuff. But the Bills just seem to love this archetype of receiver. I feel like we've seen this, you know, with Isaiah McKenzie. Now, Hardy does work deeper down the field than what we've seen from McKenzie, but you could easily see them putting him on drag routes against man coverage. I don't know if people are going to be able to keep up with Deontay Hardy, but there's something that the Bills like about trying to find some of these really fast, super quick guys, even if they're smaller, trying to figure out if they can do something with them on offense. So at a minimum, you have to, you know, you just have to be open to it because the Bills are a pass-heavy offense. You've got Josh Allen. And, you know, Gabe Davis really hasn't taken a huge step. Yes, he was battling a high ankle sprain. So we'll see what happens with that. But there's room for someone to make noise, you know, with the Bills. Now, we'll see what happens with the draft, with the rest of free agency. But to your point, Hardy at least pops enough in those data points that, you know, as we monitor what else happens in the in the offseason, you know, there, we could get to, you know, May and all of that stuff has happened and be like, you know, like this guy has a chance to be the wide receiver three on a pass heavy offense. And if that happens, he'll make he'll end up being someone that in deeper drafts you're willing to take a shop on in like the last few rounds 
I don't know, Cowboys wide receiver Noah Brown staying in Texas to the Texans, though, one-year, $2.6 million deal. And they're doing it again, Dwayne. This is now three straight off-seasons that the Texans are just, it's like they looked at a 2018 fantasy guide and they're just taking all the sleepers, you know, that they could find. Here are the Texans wide receivers and running backs that they've signed in free agency over the past 24 months. Robert Woods, Noah Brown, Danny Amendola, Chris Conley, Alex Erickson, Dante Moncrief, Chris Moore, Andre Roberts, Mike Boone, Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay, Rex Burkhead, Dario Gumbawale. I'm not leaving out studs to make my point. Like this is just what the Texans have done to add to their franchise. And that's why in large part, we've seen quarterbacks have absolutely nothing good going for them and back-to-back -back head coaches fired after a year. So I thought with the longer term deal at the Mecca Ryans, maybe we'd be actually seeing a heightened commitment to, I don't know, trying to field a good professional football team, but at least at wide receiver and running back, not looking great in Houston. At least they drafted Damian Pierce. All right, guys, just a couple tight ends to talk about before we get out of here. But first and foremost, we mentioned it a couple times before, Raiders did trade Darren Waller to the Giants. A bit effectively, for you know the Kadarius-Tony trade, they traded him to the Chiefs. They got a third-round pick, and they sent that third-round pick to go get Darren Waller. So ideal landing spot volume-wise, Dwayne. I talked about the vacated air yards and targets before. Giants are top five in both. And the age with Darren Waller, like he is getting up there, but obviously he went through some personal stuff, you know, the first kind of portion of his NFL career. Similar, to, you know, he was wasn't even playing special teams, just wasn't on the field, has less wear and tear, I think, on the body than a lot of players at his age. And guess what? Tight end and quarterback, we have seen a lot of fantasy producers even removing like the Tom Brady's and Gronks of the world much easier to put up big numbers in your 30s and beyond than it is at running back and wide receiver. So Sterling Shepard, Wandale Robinson coming back from ACLs. We're definitely, and stop me if I'm wrong, I think we're definitely drafting Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews ahead of Darren Waller. After the heat, though, I think we have a conversation again with Darren Waller as the tight end three. Yeah, it's to your point. Like, we've seen the tight ends last a little longer. Now, Waller's been hurt the last two years. He's played 11 and nine games. And then I think some of that has actually, you know, bled over into the on-field performance, you know, whenever he's coming back from those injuries. So I think there's a lot going on with him. Um, but to your point, like, he's been really good. Like, so if we look back over the last several years, yards per route run starting in 2018, 2.59, that is nuts for a tight end. Then 2.42, nuts, 2.28. Now that's come down to 174 and 1.58 over the last two years. But 1.58 is still really good for a tight end. And he's doing that while, you know, battling through injuries. You had Devontae Adams join the team. And so when you look at the Giants, this is a case where I take the two things and put them together. I'm like, okay. We've got a lot of questions still around the Giants receiving core. Yes, there were some guys that stepped forward and did some nice things. But Darren Waller right now, in my mind, is clearly, the. I think he's the best option on the team. Could Isaiah Hodgins continue doing what he did? You know, could Slayton, could some of these other things work out? You know, we'll see. But I think Waller's clearly the top option, you know, from a receiving perspective right now on the team. And so, yeah, he's a guy that I'm going to want to bet on. We'll see how high ADP gets. But I do agree. I think it's going to be hard to keep him out of, like, that middle range of the tight end ones, um, knowing that there is really high tight end one upside because we've seen it before from him. And good. Let's get Daniel Jones some weapons. You anointed him four years, $160 million guy. I mean, this whole thing with Jones and honestly, Justin Fields, very similar situations last year. We're ranking the Bears pass catchers and the Giants pass catchers going to last season. Like those were just consensus bottom five groups in the league. I, I don't think that's a controversial opinion. And then all those guys got hurt. I mean, the Giants week one wide receiver room was supposed to be Kenny Galladay, who I mentioned turned into a mannequin. Kadarius Tony, who may or may not have faked a hamstring injury to go to the Chiefs. And Sterling Shepard, who ended up tearing his... 
ACL three weeks later. Darius Slayton, who ended up being their leading receiver, was a healthy scratch in week one. There's a good chance you listened to this. You probably didn't know who Isaiah Hodgins was when the season started. We had Richie James being reborn again here by the end of the season. And Daniel Jones made the most of it largely by running around. So with Waller, hopefully with, you know, maybe some other free agents, maybe some guys in the draft. I'm just excited to see Daniel Jones maybe build, Dwayne. It is legal for these guys to, you know, get better when more players get involved. We do have some breaking news mid-podcast. The Saints have added Jamal Williams. I am, okay, I see it now. Three-year deal with the Saints. We'll see if we get the money. Dwayne, this happened like a minute ago. Initial thoughts. Yeah, well, I mean, we've got the potential suspension for Camara. I don't even want to um, say potential, man. I mean, I'm, yeah, it's going to happen. It's probably going to happen. But, I'm anticipating four to eight games because of Drew yeah. Davenport's awesome legal expertise. Yeah, so he's probably going to miss time. Um, so there's going to be an opportunity, you know, for Jamal Williams. Again, we're early in the off season, but we just saw Williams score a lot of touchdowns. He's, he is an average running back. Again, folks, don't take that in a bad way. Like this is an NFL player. Like he's obviously a really good athlete. Um, he knows how to play football. I don't. Um, but just looking at his data versus everybody else's, like he's an average kind of guy. Like, so I'm not super excited about the saints offense, but it's going to be better. It should be better with Derek Carr. If you can have Michael Thomas healthy, you know, Alave should take another step forward. There's an opportunity. He could score some touchdowns. And I will say with Jamal Williams, the other thing is I know he was not used as the receiving back last year because you had Deandre Swift on the lions, but with the green Bay Packers back in the day, he played a lot of those passing downs. In fact, he was the one that would stay on the field that would drive everyone nuts because you couldn't get Aaron Jones out there to be the passing down back, which he now is over A.J. Dillon. So Jamal Williams does have passing down chops. There's a chance that he has a few games where he's real, really more of an every down type of back. Stat, I had to look this up, but yeah, Mark Ingram, 34-year-old Mark Ingram is not employed by the Saints right now in the year 2023. That is certainly good news for Jamal Williams. For now, though, he is still an unrestricted free agent. But yeah, Alvin Kamara, just again, just the videos and stuff that has now come out about the case and the way the trials are being structured. We'll continue to update this. You know, stuff can happen. They find a way to push these things back. But right now, from the guys that really understand it, I am anticipating a four to eight game suspension for Alvin Kamara. And is a three-year deal for Jamal Jamal Williams. I mean, Dwayne, we'll see what the money attached to that is, but I'm guessing that's going to be, you know, 12 to 15 million, if not um, a good bit more from that. So Jamal Williams, his ADP is already kind of in the RB3 range. I don't think it's going to necessarily boom too much more, but that's interesting. Another domino falls in the RB range. And that's pretty much the only position with truly meaningful guys left to go get. All right, Patriots traded John U. Smith to the Falcons, their $50 million tight end. And Dwayne, it's like it's the Amon Ross St. Brown offseason of 2022 again, where it's like, oh, that's good news for Amon Ross St. Brown, bringing DJ Chark. No, that's that's not bad for Amon Ross. That's good for Amon Ross. That's all I saw on my Twitter after this. No, how could this be bad news for Kyle Pitts? John is going to be in line. This gives Kyle Pitts a better chance to go run routes and all that. Look. I don't think Jonu is going to explicitly take away snaps and routes from Kyle Pitts, but it is another guy out there who we've seen exactly under this play caller, Arthur Smith, find a way to get some targets and honestly make some good use out of them. And guess what? We don't have any targets to go around in Atlanta. We have Kyle Pitts and Drake London already underutilized. So no, I'm not thrilled about Jonu Smith going to Atlanta. Are you? No. No, I'm not. I mean, just because it's, it, I do think it will affect Kyle Pitts' snaps in one way or another. And people are forgetting John who's not a blocking tight end. He's really more of a receiving profile tight end. Like that's really what he is. So will he do that? You know, in Atlanta, I don't know. I have no clue what Arthur Smith will do with the players, but 
it's just one more way for Kyle Pitts to end up, you know, not being on the field. I just hope Pitts' ADP falls and you can just take him on talent alone and just hope that it works out. Because, like, the talent is definitely there. Targets per route run last year, 27%. Average target share in games played, 27%, y'all. Like, you don't do that as a tight end. Kyle Pitts is really good. But we're in a low-volume offense that wants to run the ball. And to your point, now we've got more competition. But, like, if this could somehow, like, if, if we could suddenly get Kyle Pitts in round 7-8, I would definitely start taking swings at him in that range. And just be like, what? Whatever. Let's just take him, see if it works out. John who gets hurt or something. Not that we want players to get hurt. But, you know, like we talk about, the season is chaos once it starts. And there are a lot of paths for Kyle Pitts to still be good. Once injuries, once, you know, coaching adjustments, all those things happen. There's obviously also a lot of downside because you know we've seen arthur smith basically bury him two years in a row right now the top four tight ends over underdog are kelsey andrews hawkinson and kittle i would expect waller to leap into that after enough time goes by but there's already a decent round gap between kittle and the current tight end six kyle pitts or tight end five kyle pitts excuse me Dallas goddard's right there like Dwayne, i think i'd take goddard over pitts this year is that crazy no, but I think they could be similar, right? I yeah. think that's, that's you know, I haven't tiered and done all my rankings yet. We were letting, we were trying to get through free agency first, mm-hmm. but like, you know, you're talking about a crowded offense. Goddard plays in a better offense. Kyle Pitts is, I would argue, you know, I know people are going to laugh. I think he's probably the better player still, like just looking at what he's done already. And that's not a knock on Goddard. Like we really like him. Um, but man, I would feel better if we, we weren't staring down the barrel of, you know, Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke. Like, like that, that's the other thing you got to come back to here. And you just got to think about, okay, what ultimately is the upside of the Falcons offense versus the upside of the Eagles offense? We've already seen the upside, you know, of the Eagles offense. So um, that's a tough one, but I think they, they should be close together. Last one to really talk about the Panthers signed former Ravens. Falcons, Bengals tight on Hayden Hurst to a three-year deal, $21.75 million with $13 million guaranteed. So I've tried to give Hurst a little bit of benefit of the doubt because, yes, he's had to, you know, leave these teams, but he got beat out by Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts. I mean, that's, you know, not exactly something to be overly ashamed of. And Cincy, he was okay. Tight end 19 in PPR points per game. That's influenced a little bit by getting injured a bit. 29th in yards per outrun, 24th in targets per outrun among 47 qualified tight ends. I think he's okay. But man, Dwayne, again, I've been listing some of these guys about just these horrendous free agency contracts, and it's absolutely worse at tight end. John Smith, Austin Hooper, Hunter Henry, Kobe Fleener with the Saints, there's a name, Trey Burton with the Bears, Jimmy Graham with the Packers, Jesse James with the Lions, CJ Uzama with the Jets, and then we have now Hayden Hurst with the Panthers, representing the biggest free agent addition, signing to a new team at tight end since 2016. So yeah, I think this is uh, pretty terrible, actually, and that's not even against Hayden Hurst, but we look at the Panthers, their current GM, like he was responsible for extending Ian Thomas and for drafting Tommy Tremble and now for bringing in Hayden Hurst and their new head coach, Frank Reich. I mean, we've seen an Indy, all these guys, Mo Cox, Jelani Woods, you know, Jack Doyle before he retired, Kylan Grant, uh, Grayson, like these guys have been capable, but what do they do, Dwayne? They rotate three tight ends. The Panthers have done it and the Colts have done it. I don't think Hayden Hurst is good enough to all of a sudden like ruin both of those, uh, you know, just what's been happening. Thoughts? Yeah, probably not. I mean, this is another one of those where you're just hoping like all the vacated targets. Like, you know, Robbie Anderson was traded last year. DJ Moore has now been traded. Hey, you chosen. Know, I mean, chosen Anderson. Yeah, chosen. Sorry. <laughs> um, I, you get one name change in your career. With <laughs> so that's already over. And you chose to keep it the same and just spell it different. So that's not my problem, Robbie. Um, but yeah, so I mean, Hurst could find his way into some targets. He's been decent 
Like, I don't think he's a high-end target earner, but we have seen tight ends. That is a position where you're playing against linebackers, safeties, mostly zone coverage. So if you know how to just basically uncover, you know, you've got some veteran savvy, which Hayden Hurst does. Like, there's a chance. Like, he could catch some balls. But, you know, we're talking about the Panthers' offense. You know, how excited are we really going to get? You know, let's see what happens here with the draft. You know, we've got the big shake-up. They obviously hold the keys now. They can take take whichever quarterback they want. They can trade down and take the next quarterback, depending on how they want to work it. So we're definitely going to have a better quarterback than what we had last season. Um, but you'd also like them to see, you'd like a team to have a little bit of something else in. So it's it's like even if Hayden Hurst turned into a tight end one, like you're just kind of it's like a floor play, right? You're just you're just hoping he catches six balls every week, which isn't the worst thing at tight end. It can get really barren, you know. We've seen this before, so. Um, but I'm, but I'm with you. It's, it's, it's nothing to get super excited about. Speaking of tight ends that have helped us out when it's gotten barren sometimes saints re-signed Jawan Johnson. There was actually some murmurs that if they tendered him at a low enough level that we could see teams trying to come in because the dude is fresh off a season where he had 500 receiving yards and seven touchdowns. I think he actually finished with more fantasy points than Taysom Hill. If he didn't, it was actually that way towards the end of the season, but maybe some of those, you know, winter games at the end helped get Taysom back over there. But with Juwan Johnson, Dwayne, like Nick Van Ett's still a free agent. Clearly they're feeling good about him if they brought him back for two years and 12 million. I mean, I've, I've heard of worse late round dart throws. I think he's actually already got a top 20 ADP, so he's not exactly free. Okay, yeah, tight end 20, 171 draft position. But Juwan Johnson, you throwing a dart? Yeah, I don't mind throwing a dart on him. Like, now, Andy Dalton loved him. Andy Dalton, like, was all about Juwan Johnson. Uh, you know, he's that traditional, you know, not traditional, he's that non-traditional tight end, doesn't line up in line a ton. You know, he's really more of a slot kind of guy. That's what he is. He's a glorified, big-bodied slot receiver. Um, and, you know, he can do some nice things down the seam. He can catch touchdowns, things like that. But we haven't seen him on a team because of he's, the role that he plays where he gets that route participation that we want, right? Where we're like, you can get him to 70 80%. And that's really what gives you a chance, you know, at tight end. He's typically been a guy that, you know, it's like you're hoping for 60% of the time that the team is passing, that he's out there. So definitely a guy that can make plays, but just will he be on the field enough? I don't know. Is Josh Oliver, formerly of the Jaguars and Ravens, with a whopping 26 career catches? That was enough to get him a three-year, $21 million deal with the Vikings. Nearly $11 million guaranteed. That list of brutal free agent signings that Hayden Hurst was at the end of. If you go one tight end more down, it is Josh Oliver. So, no, we don't give a we don't care about Josh Oliver in fantasy. I get that. TJ Hawkinson is going to continue to be the lead tight end. But Dwayne. Adam Thielen out of the picture. We know Justin Jefferson is going to do Justin Jefferson things. Have you seen enough from KJ Osborne now to think that if we do see a more two tight end heavy offense where, again, they, this might be a sign at a minimum that they're not going to invest in like a noteworthy wide receiver three to like mess around with Osborne status. KJ Osborne potentially doing something for you this year? Eh, you know. I, <laughs> That's how I feel. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. No, nah, I mean, he just, again, like, he has not been someone that's consistently been able to earn targets. So even though he's going to potentially have a bigger role, there's going to, it's that usually leads to problems and there's still a lot of time left, you know, we're week one. So we'll see what do the Vikings do at, you know, in the draft, what do they do with the rest of free agency. Obviously there's not a lot of great receivers in free agency. So it's mostly the draft that, you know, KJ Osborne would have to worry about, but I just don't see him as a big time receiver based on what we've seen so far. AJ Osborne should be one of those guys. And this pisses me off when these fantasy analysts do it and they give you the overall ranks and all the guys that played 17 games are obviously going to be beating out the dudes who got hurt after 12 or 13 because he did find his way. 60 catches, 650 yards, five touchdowns. I knew he blew up in that, you know, incredible comeback the Vikings had against the Colts, but I tend to be with you. I think he's mostly just a guy. So... 
Dwayne, we did it, man. I don't know how long we went, but it's a great day. It'd be great. Good talking. It's great talking to you again. What the hell am I saying? Let people know where you got going at fantasylife.com and whatever else. Yeah, we've got a lot of great stuff going on right now. We're, 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 we're churning out the rookie profiles. You've know, you got to go check out the newsletter. Um, we're doing several of those every week, and we're about to be getting into the rookie ranking season. So we've got a lot of different stuff coming up. Folks just have to stay tuned in. I have four articles live, baby, already. Injury concern for every single person that got banged up at the end of 2022 that you should be worrying about. What happens with high price free agents, which if you listen you know, closely to this podcast, you probably already know the answer to how those usually go. Um, rushing QB tears, Dwayne. I was getting my Excel game on, you know, unnecessarily probably, but that's the story of my life. You know, all you are users out there, I am jealous. And I had a fourth article I can't even remember at this point. So, you know, go, go find out on fantasylife.com. I guess that's all I can say there. So great to be here, everyone. Appreciate you listening. For Dwayne, I'm Ian. Until next time, take care, everybody.